Hello and welcome in to Digital Digital Get Down. We're recording live from the great outdoors. Well, more likely from our backyard. The suburban outdoors. Or a TLC cover band concert? There's some gentle country rock in the background, but they did just transition to TLC, yes. And some very annoying insects as well, so hopefully you can hear all the beautiful, authentic nature sounds happening yeah. right now. Minneapolis is a music-centric city, you know. <laughs> Supposedly. We had our first rockish night last night. Like white boy yelling rock. Have you recovered? Um, my ears are still a little buzzy. Or yeah. that could be the insects. We saw the front bottoms. I you dragged can, you. I was going to say, you can make your guesses of who uh, whose twist that was. Um, Peace sign, middle finger. We stayed safely on the second level of the First Avenue I found us a hall. really good spot on the balcony. It was a great place to see a show. We were not near the mosh pit. It's making me so anxious watching people mosh. I'm so old. I was just like looking down at them, feeling very nervous for their Especially sakes. the crowd surfers got you. Yeah, it was just not graceful. Not graceful. Um, it is a cool music venue, though. I don't, mm -hmm. not really a music historian, so I uh, don't really care that much. Lost about. on you a little bit. It's a little bit lost on me, but it was a cool venue. Okay. And I knew like two and a half songs, so there's that. Yep. You did a good job bobbing your head. I good amount. They have catchy songs. They're all like pop songs. They just have a grunge, good garage band type of feel It just to irritates them. me because it's like intentionally grungy at this right. point. It's like, can you sell out a little bit so that you your sound is a little bit sellouts. nicer? Yeah. Not all the way, just a little bit. Just <sighs> enough to get like a, an editor and a producer. Um, we also have explored local baseball since the last time we recorded. Mm -hmm. We went to a Red Sox game, or at as Target they call Field. it here, a Twins game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With a lukewarm audience of Twins fans. Yes. Like just they were looked seemed bored like they just were good they're not having clapping. a great year but still even when the red Sox have been mediocre like Fenway gets close to sold out and you still have angry drunk people at least shouting there were not enough drunk people at that game the only drunk people were the boston fans huh. <sighs> i will give target field props for having a hundred percent compostable and recyclable stuff mm -hmm. in the stadium and you found some vegan stuff yep and there was two of my favorite Minnesota restaurants are have full locations options. in the It catered to everything. My biggest disappointment of our baseball outing? What? The Kiss Cam. Now, what an ally am I that the first time... Are you high-fiving me? No. Oh. What an ally am I that the first thing that I think of when the Kiss Cam ends is, wow, that was hetero to the max... Yeah, during Pretty Pride sure Month that's how as I well. said it. During Pride Month as well. Yeah. Are we going to talk about um, Minnesota United? Is that one of yeah, your news? Yeah, it finally hit up hit me up on the news feed. You had to break the news to me. I did. Do you know? Do you have the name? No. Oh, <laughs> you're terrible. I don't. We'll explain what's happened. Um. So uh, there is finally a professional athlete in the United States who is an out gay in player. Quotes, I know it is not one of the big four party. sports, but it is a professional league, and I think it's a good step. Yeah. Um, he came out during Pride Month, and he is on the Minnesota team, the Minnesota Colin Wins. Martin. Colin Martin came out as an out gay player, and we went, when we went to the Minnesota United game, I was very impressed with um, 
their fans and their inclusivity. Like they yeah. had a pride flag and they had a big sign that said like all fans are welcome here. And that's supposed um, to be like a soccer thing, pretty much worldwide. That they nice. have like progressive fans. Yeah, at least yeah. in the U.S., it's nice. I think, I think some people that don't feel very welcomed by the toxic toxic masculinity in some of the other sports mm -hmm. maybe gravitate towards soccer because there's a bit less of that. Yeah. So I thought it was nice, and it was a nice, his little um, he wrote paragraph a little was post. nice, and yeah. he has a picture of himself wrapped, wrapped in a, in a flag. flag. Yeah. So that's good. But yes, we're still waiting for baseball, football. Um, basketball, hockey. Basketball, yeah, or hockey. Yeah. Okay, what else you got from this um, past couple weeks? We haven't, we haven't. Well, we missed World Giraffe in a Day while. as well. Did that coincide with Toys R Us going out of business <laughs> kind of, and actually. Jeffrey putting on, heading off to retirement to the zoo uptown, up north? Oh my god, they're going to shoot him out back. Yeah. Um, the zoo did a big celebration for World Giraffe Day, and it you was really cute. You have three adorable zoo, three adorable giraffes. Four. Do you find one of them not adorable? There, I fed three of them. There were four that day, right? Yeah. Gosh. Skeeter, Daisy, Violet, and Clover. Yeah. Not their African names. They're whitewashed names. <laughs> They're white names, yeah. Um, the other big news has to do with our sponsor. Yeah. BookDigits.com. Oh, yeah. As of a couple of hours ago, BookDigits now has an Instagram. A gram. That's right, so folks. So if you would like to follow us on Instagram, imagine you can what, find us. Imagine what the username is. At BookDigits. B-O-O-K-D-I-G-I-T-S. But it's pretty much a cross between book digits and DD Get Down. It's me. It's my like podcast persona posting yeah. under the book digits name. With a little bit of inspiration. So from me. we're gonna do this July bookstagram thing that I saw from uh, a person that I follow, a book blogger that I follow. So we're gonna post a picture every day in July of different themes of different books. So you can follow us on Instagram. We have a total of like four followers in the past four hours so a follow, follow per back. hour team That's follow back good. we'll follow you back and we're gonna get rich at the end of the month is that how it works um i'm just hoping that some of these book bloggers will then use book digits mm, clever is my plan and we just paid a hundred dollar server bill for book digits so that means so come make an account donations. and uh donate some money donate to first us. make the account after and tell your friends yep all right should we go back into newses we kind of skipped ahead with the MNUFC well, I was going to talk about my oh, video game binge that I went on last weekend. Yes, I you abandoned, abandoned you. Me. I know. I abandoned you. I abandoned all my gay friends at Pride. <sighs> I know. I'm terrible. So I'm now 15 hours into Uncharted 4, which I played without you because I didn't think you were going to be that interested in it. Now I'm tempted to have you go back and play certain levels. Okay. As I started to tell you the other day, Uncharted series is made by the same... Uh, company behind Last of Us. Yeah. Naughty Dog. So yeah, you can definitely see where the two games kind of overlap. In my opinion, the the makers of Last of Us were like, let's take the worst parts of Uncharted <laughs> and build a game around that. Like, we know people love looking for ladders. Like, number one, they love looking, looking for, for ladders. Have you had to look for rafts to float on? Yep. You yep. gotta knock things off of ledges to help other people up. You gotta love hoisting people up. That's huge in games. <laughs> hoisting. And so, yeah, it's it's fun. It's a, kind of a ludicrous series. This, is, this one's all about pirates who have hidden their treasure in this very engineering-centric, uh, like, 
whole island land that they had time to build up while also being pirates. So it's a little strange, but the phys physics of the game are kind of fun. So I just wanted to give that shell. we got to get back into our video game chit-chat sometime. we yeah. got to talk about the game that we abandoned. Oh, yeah. We should actually do a... I don't know if we have a longer to say segment. about that. Maybe. We'll save it. Okay. Now I'll let us move into good news, bad news, from the great outdoors. Okay, hun. I'll let you lead off. I'm you pick off. good or bad. Okay. I'm going to lead off better. Um, I guess good because we already did um, Colin Martin. That was one of my good newses. Got it. Um... My other good news is that Rose Leslie and Kit Harrington got married. Game of Thrones people. Yeah, and it was so cute and they Lots were so happy. Lots of funny red wedding jokes about, wow, they had a whole wedding without anyone getting murdered. Yeah, and oh, what did they do if they heard the Reigns of Castamere playing? They met on the show. No, no sorts of funny business involved. They weren't all already so. engaged to other people. I don't think so. Okay. And Rose Leslie has been on my mind lately because people have been talking about the dream casting of Mrs. Coulter on the mm, new Golden BBC. Compass series. And now that they've cast so young for Lord Asriel and um, Lee Scoresby with mm. James McAvoy and Lynn manuel Miranda, respectively. Lynn manuel is in? He's Lee Scoresby. And the I ballooner. I feel about it. Yeah. Huh. Because he's not Texan. I didn't know that. That's the newest one. Um, so I think Rose Leslie would be a really good Mrs. Coulter. It's never going to make it to screen. Well, like, little screen. It's mm. a TV series. I know. Yeah. Um, my other good news is Mark watches Yuri on Ice. Yep. Um, just before the podcast, I finished reading his, like, written reviews of the full series. The He's finished first, the whole First thing? season. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but we still have to catch up on his videos. They're a little complicated to watch. Because yeah. you have to sync. He watches it in Japanese with subtitles. So you're just looking at his face. And at least in the first episode, I mean, there's a lot to take in. So he's just kind of like watching and you're just watching him watch. I thought it was fun. Sure. You don't have to watch it with me anymore if you don't want to. That's I thought fine. it was funny. It's just a little bit complicated to sync because I do have the DVDs, thankfully, because some super nice person in got Blu -ray. them for me. In Blu-ray. I meant a DVD as in a disc. I don't have the discs no, in not them. Not correcting you, I'm just pointing out what a great husband I am. Oh. I sprung for the Blu-ray. Yes, sure, but yeah, it's a little bit complicated to watch because you have to sync up your timing with his timing of him watching it. Um, but I enjoyed it. I'm always game for Yuri on Ice rewatch, and it's it feels like you're watching it with Mark, which is meant to be the point, I think. Mm -hmm. So I can tell by your face that you were born. So, no, with I'm it. just thinking so like I'll... in like 15 years, do you think? That virtual reality will have gotten good, gotten good enough that you'll just have a virtual Mark sitting I next to you. I can have a hologram you. of Mark. Yeah. Mark watches will just be a hologram. Yeah. He watches you while you sleep. That's creepy. <laughs> How did that turn into a creepy AI thing? Any other good news from you? That's about it for me. Um, I don't really have any. No good news is? Mine are really sad. Well, that's a bad news then. Technology-wise... Android, I never say anything positive about Android, but Android now lets you text message on their like text messaging service from any web browser, which is something I've always wanted iMessage to do. iMessage you can only do from an Apple device only. Oh, I never realized that. So I think that would be great if, if that happened with iMessage. Also, the Westworld mobile game just came out. Are you interested as a tycoon type of thing? Is it? Yeah. 
They've also already been sued, though, because they, like, stole some code or something. From Roller Coaster Tycoon? Because that just makes me <gasps> want to buy it even more, because I love that game. <laughs> is it, like, can I get it on my iPad? Like, I can make Westworld? Uh, what is, how does it yeah, work? it's a mobile game. But is it, like, Roller Coaster Tycoon? Like, or do I actually have to play as people? Because I'm, I'm, I've still been playing the Harry Potter mobile game, whatever, and it's... You, you are playing it so much that you emailed their support, which I think is amazing. I didn't email us support. I did it through the game because okay. they have a glitch on there that keeps taking away my jewels. Yeah. And uh, then they just wrote back and said, we can't do anything. So, yes, it is iOS. You're a trainee running a simulation. Um, you have to satisfy guests and keep robotic hosts in line. Yes, but I want to know if it's, like, on the macro scale, like Roller Coaster Tycoon, where, like, I don't think where so. you're, like, in the background and just, like, pointing at things, like, clicking on things or if like it's it's like a no it's first character person based. point of view i think it's character based yeah i don't think i want that no you're you should be still more excited about the jurassic park one yes, which i heard is terrible but. i don't care is it is it terrible though because people want like the bullshit dialogue video games that i complain about i know you can't stand like, cut scenes just if Another i wanted that i would watch a movie i would like if if i wanted that i would watch a movie why do i want I bad dialogue and bad graphics of a of a movie i hear just you. give me the game that i can play or give me the movie i don't want both um, moving on, I guess I'll qualify this as good news. Uh, the funniest baseball injury of the week. Brandon um, Morrow, he's on Tom Cubs Morrow. right now, relief pitcher. He's suffering from back spasms, will have to miss some time. And here are his quotes explaining why. Okay. Just undressing at my house, Morrow said, taking my pants off yesterday morning. Just in the closet, got the right leg off, left one. Felt a spasm in my back. So sometimes it's just as simple as so getting taking off undressed. Yep. Do you think it was actually a sex injury? That's a really strong theory. They tried really a weird strong. he tried a weird sex position and <laughs> now he's embarrassed about it. Or maybe just normal sex and he like didn't stretch beforehand or something. Could be. It's embarrassing. Rookie. He's supposed to be young and virile. Um <laughs> Let's hit me with some bad news. Try to make me cry. Go. Um, most of my bad news are like super serious, and I don't know that I'm in the mood to get into them. But okay, the U.S. was ranked you just pass. U.S. was ranked number ten of the world's most dangerous places for women. Ten for women, like Not after Saudi world. Arabia and those yes. guys, and then America and Antarctica. I would say it's not safe for any gender. <laughs> I don't think that was included. It's not a country, is it? It's a continent, not a country. Ugh. Gotcha. Um, T-Word's approval rating is at 47%. How the fuck is that possible? Woohoo! She's swearing outdoors, folks. You know it's bad. How the fuck is that possible? Mm. I'll swear quietly in case our youth, <laughs> the street <laughs> the youths street are youths. out. But how the fuck is that possible? Mm. 47%. I know I stay in my little liberal bubble on the internet. I and mean, does Fox News even, like, commend him that much? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah, see, I gave up, like, listening to a conservative podcast. I had that experiment going for a while just to try to get in the the mind of someone who would support yeah. that, but I couldn't even do that. Well, and all the ones that you found were, like, moderate anyways yeah. and didn't actually support T-Word. They were just conservative. I still, like, I can't, I haven't heard from any of these extremists. I see them on the television in Duluth a couple hours away. Yeah. Anyways, next. Um, well, the UN has condemned what, the U.S. is doing with family detention and separation, and the U.S. Um, 
is withdrawing from the UN Human Rights Council. Right. That at the same to time be... that they're doing these horrible human rights violations. I just can't. Can I ask one question going yeah. back to mm-hmm. the entire saga about separated families? Yes. Crisis, you might call it. Who, how did that come out? Was it a leak? Did the administration, like, publicize it on purpose? Was it a newspaper who uncovered it? What happened? Um, it was, like, a newspaper. I think it was, like, lawyers that, like, contacted newspapers because okay. from... The first kind of accounts that I saw of it were like firsthand accounts that were in like some sort of law proceeding, like someone was suing the okay. government or someone, I don't know if it was like a suing the whole government or if they were just, it was like a custody kind of thing trying to, or um, sorry, like a court battle trying to yeah. get their kid back. Right. Um, but I had seen, I had seen testimony for like some sort of legal thing. That's how I had seen it come out. Yeah. And then there was, there all of a sudden, there's more stories and more stories and more stories. And right. Then. But that, I mean, obviously the whole thing is disgraceful, but that part really concerns me is like, how long could this have been going on and no one would have really heard about well, it? Well, that's the question that people are getting a little bit confused about that, like children that were supposedly like gone missing from before and that could have potentially fallen into the hands of traffickers was kind of one story. And then this new uh, expanded policy, if you will, um, or unofficial, unwritten policy of separating anyone who comes with children, whether it's legal or illegal means of immigration, um, is kind of a separate story. But you're correct. Like, it, yeah. it could have been going. It wasn't like the first time it happened. They got caught and everyone was up and outraged. So there's like 2,000-something kids right. that it has already happened to. Mm-hmm. And they claim that they have stopped doing that, but they haven't um, claimed what they're going to do to try and actually reunite the ones that have already right. been separated. Not, haven't been speedy to come up with that plan. Uh, no, definitely not. And a, a lot of them, like the parents have been deported and the kids are stuck in the U.S. It's like, what are they going to do? I saw some like really sad stories about people that um, like they're back in Honduras or Mexico or whoever trying to figure out how to get their kids back. Mm. It's like we're holding their kids hostage or something. It's horrible. Okay. You have anything else depressing? No, that was it. Okay. Mine are, are a little bit lighter than that, I guess okay. I would say. I'm going to show you a picture. You you just you just wordplay, word association. You tell me what you feel. Ew, is, oh, <laughs> is that meat in there? This is a cotton candy hot dog. Oh, oh my God, I just puked a little bit. This is... At first I just thought it was cotton candy with sprinkles, which was a lot to begin with. Oh no, that's a wiener in there. That's meat. This is a, not surprisingly, a minor league baseball creation. Yikes. The double-A affiliate of the Tigers. This is why people hate America. They're calling it their sugar rush night. It's just for one night? One night only. Okay, the I guess can- that's The fair. cotton candy hot dog. I mean, we're talking about it, so I guess it's working. Yep. Oh, gosh. Here's a video of someone actually trying to... Oh, boy. Ew. Does he puke? Is it meant to actually be eaten? Oh, very oh, just pink. the texture. Like, I don't know about that. This looks unnatural. Ew, ew, ew. Covered, oh, it has nerds on top is the topping. <laughs> oh, my God. You wouldn't put ketchup or anything that on it. That is so, so It was gross. not too bad, one reviewer said. But the textures of the cotton candy, but it's like mushed together cotton right. candy, too. Right, you don't too. think of cotton candy like as being like a, cons- like a bun. Like, 
sticky, melty cotton candy with crunchy, hard nerds with, like, soggy wiener. Yeah. Gross. My other food bad news for the week, um, Dunkin' Donuts is, has created donut fries, which they're claiming as an invention. Which, go ahead, take a look. See, have you ever seen any sort of Mexican delicacy shaped like this? You're saying it's a churro? Yeah. I think they sound delicious. Oh, my God. But it's a churro. They didn't invent them. It's a churro, yeah. They're just like choritos, they do little baby look, churros. They do kind of look good. Mm. They look like baby crawlers. Yeah. Dad loves crawlers. All right, we're going for dessert after this. Let's hurry up. Let's get through this podcast. Then okay. it's ice cream time. Um, full disclosure, we did have to pause the podcast a few minutes ago to figure out what our segments were actually talking Which about Which you could today. say for most of our episodes. <laughs> Fair. Actually, we usually do it We have a notebook where we plan out these episodes. It's in the other room. I don't know. Yep. Um, so, what did you want to talk about first? Um, Book or TV show? I think we should do the TV show. I was going to say the opposite, but go, we'll do the TV show. Okay. So this is going to be like a California-themed episode yeah, a little bit. The Californians. Um, two very different sides of California, I suppose. Yeah. Is yeah. that your best SNL impression? Yeah. Okay. Um, so the TV show we're talking about is... What season was it even? Silicon Valley six? season five? I think it must mark? be five. So did we talk about Silicon Valley already on the we podcast? We definitely did. Must have been last season, yeah. So... Yeah, season five. I still have not watched, like, the first two seasons of Silicon Valley. No, we have to go back to at least watch Middle Out. I watched the dick one. Is that the one you're thinking yeah, of? Yeah, but you need the Ow. full episode. Got bit by a mosquito. <laughs> there are dangers out here. Yeah, I definitely watched the one where they calculated how many hand jobs they could give in an hour or whatever that one was. Correct, yeah. You're spot on. Anyways, we are not talking about that episode today. We're talking about season five, which was the most recent episode. Season, yeah. And sorry, season. And remind me, they released it like episode by episode, or how did they do it? It's HBO, so it's like a weekly thing. Okay. Yeah, they only had eight episodes this right, season. Right, because we thought the last one, we thought there was ten, and then the last there was one ten. was like every other season has been ten. And they did get renewed. Um, IMDb has a, sec- a series, you know, season six. I thought there was list, a story that they got renewed recently could be so yeah it felt like a very kind of shrunken um season like Dinesh had like one plot line the entire season which was that he bought a Tesla yeah and that his I'm over his character yeah he's definitely progressed into being the worst character on the show He's kind of turned into, like, the Winston. He's turned into the character where they just, like, don't really have a good a characterization pony, for him. so he's just weird. Yeah, like, they give him, like, all the weird lines because he doesn't really have a lot of plot relevance. Yeah. Um, did you miss Ehrlich Bachman? Oh. Uh, did you even notice he was gone? I kind of forgot after a couple episodes. They addressed it in the early ones. And there was a dead pig. Yeah. True. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of screen time for Jin Yang. Yeah, he started to get old for me as well. Yeah, he lost a little bit of his luster. Big Head showed up for like half a, I liked Big Head in it. He was funny. Yeah, he's always pretty funny. Um, so yeah, for me, the peak of the season for sure was episode three, Chief, o- Chief Operating Officer. Where Jared get, finally achieves his dream. It's pretty much peak Jared. After that uh, episode, Jared gets like pretty strange and a little extreme. which And not in a fun way. No, usually it's in a fun way and this isn't. 
Um, but yeah, I think this was the episode where they go on, um, like, the news channel together, and Richard's all excited because he actually, like, put coherent thoughts together for the first time in his life, and yeah. Jared just talked about manure, but then you see the interview, and his manure talk turns into this Henry Ford discussion, which is, like, brilliant. So, yeah. Is that the that same one where he projectile vomits, Richard? You could say that about any episode. That's fair. That's fair. He's still one of my, like, least favorite actors slash characters slash people. Middle stitch. Yeah, I just can't. Don't even like to watch his face every time he talks. It makes me angry. Hmm. Um, so what else? We had the, like I said, the Tesla storyline. The overall arc of the season about the new inter- internet I still think is total bullshit. I appreciate that they tried to do something different and make it a little bit of, like, a near future, um, like, speculative speculative fiction? Is that what they call it? Which way do you mean? When they got involved with the the AI company? Just the near future. Like, just, like, the new internet's not a thing right now. Like, I appreciate with technology that they're not just going, like, let's make another app for this. Like, I appreciate that they're trying to make it seem like an alternate reality or like a futuristic kind of thing. Yeah. But I don't know that it works that well. I didn't buy it from like a tech point of view. I still don't grasp what they're trying to get at. They're saying that instead of the internet, which is a set of, you know, networks connecting servers and computers and devices, you're going to have a set of devices holding all the data. They still have to be connected by a network, first of all. And all your data is still spread across different things, just like it is now. Yeah, but it wouldn't be in the control of a company. It would be in control of the people. That was the theory, but... I got a little bogged down in all the tech jargon this yeah. season that I didn't so much the other seasons. Like, a lot of the stuff about, like, when they tried to do the digital currency and the weird time Yeah, the jump, last couple of, and of like, episodes about the Bitcoin crap. All the stuff about VCs. What do you call them? Yeah, yeah. VCs and... Like the uh, the thing the mm-hmm. set they wanted to sign the the uh, series B funding series yeah like yeah. all of that stuff it just I don't know if it's because I missed the first two seasons or if it's just implied that you have knowledge of that yeah but some of that like didn't feel like very high stakes to me like they made it seem like there was this huge drama in the show and this huge like point of conflict and I just didn't really get what was going on with it yeah so they had the episode. Which was kind of clever, but it was, like, a little bit too drawn out about the the guy who had the gay website and was did not want to be... Christian. Did not want to be outed as a Christian. That seemed like it should have just been, like, a funny one-off aside. joke, but yeah, it was an entire joke. 35 minutes about it. And then it. there was, like, way too much about the sex robot, too. Yeah, so like, two full episodes about the sex robot. So out of eight episodes, like, it seemed like they only had enough plot for, like, an episode and a half. Yeah. And then they just took some of these weird gimmicks and then stretched them out for a really, really long time. Yeah. And then the, the finale, you know, spoilers ahead, I guess, but they get into a... A scenario where they're battling, it's like a three-way battle, I guess, for control of the internet, which no one's really using yet, but it's between Pied Piper, Gavin Belson. Belson. You laugh the most at Gavin Belson's I was just going to say, I think it's... His dick box. (laughs) His dick in a box. (laughs) I think it's bad on the show with the talented actors they have that, like... The funniest a penis drawing was what did it best for yes, you. Yes, that the mm. funniest thing was like like Gavin Belson was the parts that I found the funniest. Yeah, and like not that he's not allowed to be funny in this kind of like 
ridiculous villainy kind of way, but I just I, that he shouldn't be the funniest part of the show for yeah. me. I feel like, yeah, especially with how little he was actually involved in the main storylines for a lot of the yeah the season. Um. So yeah, you have Pied Piper versus Huli, of course, and then there's versus this Jin Yang's company that was bought yeah. by um, the autistic woman. What's her name? Lori. Lori. Yeah. And the um, Chinese, her Chinese business partner. Yeah, and Lori still has some good lines. She's certainly one of the more unique characters on on television. Um, so yeah, there's this whole sort of contrived plot about you have to control fifty one percent in order to have control over the network, which again seems like a kind of a flaw in their system. Where like at any point in time, if the data gets moved around, like your data is gone. Yeah. Like if their their whole premise like was that your data was more secure data. and private here, and it's like whoops, a few issues on our end, and it's all gone. I mean, I think the point is that once you reach a critical mass of users, there's no way anyone's ever going to get fifty-one percent. Yeah. Like it's distributed across enough people, but when there's such a low, okay, you explain the users, tech to me, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, once again, that was something that was a little bit like what what does fifty-one percent have to do with it? Like like the high stakes drama of it, yeah. like is not very intuitive. Yeah. And so they ended the season like they do pretty much every season, which is with a full reboot. And with them dramatically winning even when they don't deserve to. Correct. This is the same thing I complained about last time we talked about the show, probably word for word, but it's like I'm not rooting for them. Like no. by the time that they've fucked up so many times yeah, that and last like made one, a lot of bad choices and like Richard had like double crossed everyone. It was terrible. At least he didn't really do that. That happened the this. season before too. Yeah. Remember he, like, screwed over his friends and, like, backed out of a deal and all that? Yeah. And then, like, they got saved by the fridges? <laughs> that was the only interesting part of the season was then when they figured out that the fridges betrayed them or yeah. whatever. Um, so, yeah, they've set up for another season. But, like, it really is true that, like, shows run out of steam, like, around season five or so. Like, just, there's just no way you can spend that much time. Six seasons in a movie? And this is short seasons. Like it's not even like a network show with twenty two episodes. That, but that's what this that's what this season felt like. That like I said, they had enough episode enough plot for only a couple episodes yeah. and then had a lot of like side plot points that should have or would have maybe been funnier or pithier if they were just mm. like five minutes in an episode or a joke and they had stretched them out to be like two and a half episode plot lines. All filler, no killer. Sure. Okay. Um, anyways, I guess we'll watch the next season. Like, it's it's like a decently fun show to watch. And it's nice that it always comes part. out, like, late spring, so it's like it's when else. everything else is, is ending, it's yeah. like, yeah, I'll throw it on. We gotta start watching some new TV shows. You told it's me true. You We're a bit to, of a rut. You told me you want to start watching Killing Eve. Yep. Which I'm into because that girl from My Mad Fat Diaries in it, and also yep. Sandra Oh. And also yep. lots of gay people, I heard. Okay. Just, like, lots of casual... Um, non-straightness. Okay. I'm on board. Um, should we tell them the other shows that we started or no? Uh, what else did we start? We've been watching the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. Lizzie Bennet Diaries is coming to a podcast soon. Um, and we're still watching Boy Meets World. Yeah. We're going to talk about the detour sometime. Oh, yeah. Did we finish that one? Season one, we stopped now. We also, we might as well talk about them now. We were, I was going to try to devote a whole episode to New Girl, Big Bang Theory. (sighs) And Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And then we stared at our planner and we said, meh. 
What are, mm. yeah, the prospect of talking, even right now, the prospect of that is just kind of like turning my, like I have a weird look on my face that you can't see, mm. like a look of disgust, like my nose rank is them for, up. Rank those three for me, in terms of how you enjoy this last season, what you remember of it. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and then a tie between New Girl and Big Bang, because <laughs> I don't know, I don't remember either. New Girl was really like abhorrently bad. Especially that first episode back was like, yeah. yikes, like... I think I could have done a better job with that episode. Yeah. Like literally right now me, like not like if I was a screenwriter, but like literally me just picked up from Minnesota and flown to LA. I could have done a better job with right. that episode and, and I could have written that episode like, better. Like as we were talking about shows aging, like sometimes maybe it's more due to the writing and sometimes it's like the actors, you know, have to grow out of these roles. And or in this the case, actors it was, are not committed or yeah, something. Yeah. In this case it was clearly both. Like the writing was terrible for that small set of episodes and all the leads were, like, mailing it in. Half-assing it. Yeah. Yeah, it was... The first episode back was hard to watch. And this is a show that was, like, uproariously funny and well done. It's yeah. first, like, season and like, two seasons. Like, that was the DVR show we jumped to every yes. week. Yes. Yeah. Um, like, it was so well done and so uh, witty. And the oh, characters God. were funny. They got to and... the last episode and I was like, they're going to do... Uh, what's the game called? True American, true American, and it's going to be awful, and it was awful. Well, I'm fine with them playing True American. It was the super creepy, spoilers, super creepy time jump playing True American with their children. Yeah. And there was, like, way too many children that didn't conceivably belong to any of them. Yeah. And it was very strange, and I understood the how that might have, like, sounded really nice in a writer's room or on paper. Yeah. But it came off real creepy and real weird. And it was just a very odd tone to end the show on. And not, I guess that's the thing is the tone. They lost somewhere along the way. Oh, yeah. They lost the fun, quirky tone that they had in the first couple seasons that seemed effortless. Mm -hmm. And then this season it seemed like they were trying so hard. We're getting bitten by bugs. Blood all over my face <laughs> from that mosquito. Um, it seemed like they were trying so hard to be effortless. And you could tell, like, it was such an... Ugh, I don't know. Yeah. So, like, they were so desperate. They felt desperate to get back to that same feeling, and they did not. And, of course, they had, you know, like an improvised wedding scene, because all sitcoms have to have that. Well, that's the the common denominator between the three of these. Yeah. We got some fireworks going. This is the terrifying game in America of fireworks or gunshots. We played it last night. We were downtown last night and heard some pops, and we were afraid it was guns, and I, it was just fireworks. Um, that's the thing tying together those these three sitcoms yeah. is that they all had kind of bad wedding, overdue scenes. weddings. Yeah. Um, the Brooklyn Nine-Nine one was very predictable in that it was just like, it was like, oh no, we can't have High the wedding Jinx that went we planned. went awry. And, yeah, uh, and then they had to do a surprise wedding. But I thought that one was earned and it came out nicely the way they did it, having them get married in the precinct and whatever. And I was, it was very cliche and kind of obvious, but I also thought it was worth it for the payoff, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like the scene of them like getting married, like... If in front of the precinct was really nice. It reminded me of like the Friends episode, yeah, where they get married outside in the winter, and it's, and also a direct steal of Parks and Rec, isn't it? Um, and kind like, of. Let's just get married right now. Yeah. Uh, I actually thought the Big Bang wedding was probably the best one, and I liked the couple of episodes leading up to that, especially Sheldon with his brother. I got mildly emotionally invested. Yes, in that. you're right. I'll put Big Bang above New Girl. I'm saying it. 
Big yep. Bang this this season yep. specifically. Um, they did okay with that. Yeah. Like they folk. I appreciated that they like didn't just have them like bam be married. Like that was my biggest complaint with Brooklyn Nine Nine was that like it seemed like especially for someone who's like literally her whole character is that she loves to plan and organize things. Yeah. Like the idea that Amy would have just like let things go to the last minute and have yeah. Jake have to plan no them in like one episode. No flowers or cake ready yet for the day before the wedding. It was like. Yeah. That was a little bit, impl- a lot of bit implausible. And yeah. it, I didn't think it was worth it for like the f- a few funny Jake moments with Terry. Yeah. Um, although it was worth it, I suppose for Gina Rodriguez being the new love interest for Rosa. Yeah. Um, but yeah, big bang like actually did a lot of planning leading up to the wedding, which is mm-hmm. realistic. That's how it works in real life. You don't plan it over two days. Um, and yeah, some of the plot points. And yeah, I mean, there are a lot of bad big bang episodes, but I think some of the worst are when they have, all the big bangs. yeah, when they have, um, like the family and the, the guest stars and stuff. But yeah, I thought when they actually brought the family members in this time, it was pretty well done. Yeah. I just like can't with that show sometimes with it's like casual misogyny all over the place. Yeah. But yeah, the wedding stuff was decently well done. Okay. Sorry for throwing that in there. Yeah. You just, we're improving it. All right. Now we're getting to some serious shit. Okay. The children love the serious the books. They love the books. Uh, so we have moved this party inside to escape the mosquitoes. Yeah. And I'm now ready to talk about this book, hopefully with less distractions, okay. fewer distractions. We've already mentioned the author earlier in this podcast. We have. So we today are talking about Mark Oshiro's debut novel, debut better novel. known as Mark Does Stuff or Mark Reads. Um, and it is called Anger is a Gift. Yeah. Would you like to do the summary or do you want me to? Um, I'll do some of the summary. Okay. You fill in the gaps. Okay. So... The book takes place in Oakland, California, mm-hmm. and it centers around a group of high school students. I forget what grade they're in exactly. Sophomore, junior? Sure. The lead character is known as Moss. Mm-hmm. He is gay, African-American. Mm-hmm. He lives with his mother. His father was killed dur- during an act of police brutality. Um, and so Moss has been living with that for the last, you know, decade of his life, I think. And it's caused him, quite understandably, some panic attacks and anxiety disorder issues. Yes. anxiety is a big part of the book, for sure. Um, and so Moss has a group of friends. The book takes place at the start of a new school year. Um. He's a lot of non-binary and, um... LGBTQA friends. Yeah, it's a very diverse book, all really naturally done. So that's I was going to say, positive. very refreshing that it wasn't necessarily like, this person's out, this person's out. Like, it yeah. was kind of just like, this person's pronouns are she and her, or this person's pronouns are they and them, and that's how it is, and whatever. Yeah. Um, so that was really nice to have. I, I read an interview or saw an interview where he said he didn't want to have, like, the tokenism of, like, Moss being, like, yeah. the gay friend of all of his friends. He right. wanted it to just kind of be an accepted thing and to have the friends be able to be somewhere on the LGBTQA spectrum spectrum as well. So yeah, the action really picks up very quickly in this book. Uh, first sort of romantically, mm-hmm. Moss bumps into 
a strapping young fellow. Literally bumps into him. Javier. My baby. Yep. Loved him. And from Heather getting choked up, you can probably imagine one spoiler in this book. Okay, so huge spoilers here. This book very recently came out, so I assume a lot of you have not read it. Mm -hmm. Um, I would recommend stopping the podcast here if you're at all interested in reading the book. Um, Before we go any further, I guess I should say, do you recommend it? I do. Going into the last 20 pages, I wasn't positive, but I do. I recommend it as well. I think the pacing could have used a little work and some of the dialogue and the uh, writing was a little bit stilted or I could tell that it had been through many rounds of editing. Um, But I think it's really worth reading a lot of good emotions, a lot of good characters and relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you have any interest at all in reading it or if you trust us at all with our recommendations for you, I would recommend stopping listening here because I I really don't want the beginning of the book ruined for you by hearing what we're about to say with this spoiler because I think it will definitely change or ruin the beginning of the book for you. Yeah. So we still will try not to give away too much of the plot specifics, but uh, there's a bunch of incidents. Yes. The first few happening at the school. And it escalates pretty rapidly. It starts with... Uh, random locker searches. Correct. And they go to like the Oakland Quote, public unquote, random. high school, which is, you know, very low budget. They don't have textbooks or anything. Literally like he's first day of school, like there's not enough books to go around for all the English kids. Class, yeah. And the books that they do have are falling apart or are super old. Um, so there's definitely a lot of unfair uh, budgetary things going on yeah. in the district in terms of this school. Well, you're right. It starts with the locker searches which escalates into an incident mm-hmm. which then escalates into metal detectors. metal detectors which escalates into an even larger incident both involving moss's friends correct and moss himself is kind of peripherally peripherally involved with both of them yeah but he's not wanting to get super involved because he has such a you know, kind of trigger warning about, you know, fighting it back against the establishment because of what happened with his father. Right. Um, and he knows his mother used to be an activist, but he doesn't, you know, want to assume that she's going to, you know, go fight these battles. Yeah, but as his friends, as terrible things happen to his friends, and as he sees the contrast of one of his neighborhood friends who goes to, like, a ritzier school now because her parents are, like, well off. She's got white parents. Got white parents. That's a very interesting part of the book. Yeah, she had transracial adoption. Yeah. So she was adopted by white parents, even though she's Latina. And um, the kind of contrast in her understanding of the situation and in what she deals with or doesn't deal with at her school. And how her parents react to some of the things, because... Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. So... A lot of the middle of the book is, like, planning, which doesn't make for the best, like, line-by-line, you know text in the in the scenes like the group there's a lot of group scenes where they're all getting together and one person's like how are we going to protest this what are we going to do where are we going to meet yeah so it's very sort of like a functional set of chapters um but once they start putting plans into action it gets really good again and once there's some reveals about some about some like family secrets kind of oh yeah um that changes things as well Mm -hmm. so I found it hard to read at some points because I I thought it was... um, I had to keep checking in on you. You were not stable during this reading. I 
So the easiest comparison to make, and I don't want to demean either book or say that any like diverse quote unquote book has to be about police brutality or whatever, but yeah. the easiest or obvious comparisons with the hate you give. Right. Which we talked about a few weeks which back. Which we talked about a few weeks back. I found this one harder to read. Yeah. Because it felt less fictionalized or hmm. the the way that it was the details it gave or I don't know. I don't I've, know if I agree with that. You don't? Well, I had a few issues with the incidents in this book, Anger okay. is a Gift. They're all, like, you might get me some backlash for this, but, like, a lot of things have to go wrong for the things to escalate the way they do. But why did they escalate to that point I, I get all? you. I get you. But, like, there's a lot... I disagree with you. Okay, can I... Mm. I'm going to give specifics about the, the first, like, major incident. Yeah. Um, the... A student has, like, a pill bottle in her locker with some pills in it, and the police force at the school automatically assumes it's, like, illegal drugs and doesn't yeah. give her a chance to explain or ask her. And I'm, the face you're making is yeah. saying you're about to argue with me. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just going to add another detail that was in the book, which was that she says oh, I lost the bottle this morning, so I just put them in a plastic bag, and that's why the police were confused. It was just, like, a little bit far-fetched to me. It's What? It's far-fetched to you that, like... She happened to lose the pill bottle on the day they started doing locker searches, and she had the pills in a bag. But that's the point, is that it's something that could happen to anyone. Like, I you know. don't. I knew that was going to be your response. That's the point. And with the second one, the metal detectors, it goes haywire because one of the friends has a metal piece of metal. But he asked them. And they said, go through anyway. They didn't even listen to him. So the the problem with what you're saying is that you're automatically taking the police's side. (gasps) I don't think that's fair at all. In these specific situations, you're saying I never said that the locker searches or the metal detectors were warranted. But you're saying that the way that they responded to the situation was justified given what, given the quote-unquote evidence. Oh, definitely not. No, you're hearing me wrong. All I'm saying is that as a novel, this is following okay. a certain group of characters, and they have incredibly bad luck that they are caught up in each of these circumstances. I'm sorry. I thought you were saying that. Gosh. Well, that, you didn't explain it very well. I'm trying. Um, I get what you're saying. That like he had to write the characters with very specific like injuries or something right. in order to get these, but I... Th- I, right. The theme that it's getting across, I empathize with for sure. And the point is that like the situations escalate escalate for no discernible reason with no like chance for like they're assumed guilty. Like the, right. the police treat them all as if they're criminals, even though they're just kids going right. to high the school. The response to the the dumb stuff I was just saying before is that, well, if she didn't have the pills in the bag, something else would have happened to have caused that incident. Yeah. So it wasn't, it was going to happen. It wasn't about the pills. They were looking for an excuse. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. And yeah, that's like the biggest thing I think that was hard to read is like the day-to-day reality that they are treated as criminals. Yeah. For going to school. unless. Proven innocent. Mm -hmm. And given no chance to be proven innocent. And yeah, the um, dramatic scene that I guess we won't totally spoil, like broke me. I was, it, (sighs) I had a really hard time with it, and well, I part really of the issue had time is that it happens in it. like three paragraphs. It happens very quickly, and then 
the emotional pacing is a little bit strange, and yeah. I, I think it's probably true to reality in terms of yeah. how a person would process something like that. But as a reader, it was a little bit jilted, uh, jolting of, yeah. like, did that really happen? What's going on? Is he processing? Yeah. Is he not? Like, It reminded me, I'll give a plug for some of my own books here, but Hotel Apocalypse, my series, I had to kill off, like, a lot of characters in a lot of different ways. And, like, you get to those points and it's like, how do I stretch this out? Like, the moment of them actually dying is, you know, a word, a sentence. Yeah. You know, you don't want it to be 30 pages about someone's blood, you know, flowing out of their body. Yeah. So I do see how that's a challenge, but... And I did hear know. an interview. I did um, his book launch interview I watched, which was really good and really interesting. Um, but he said that he only wrote that scene once and didn't really edit it because he had a really hard time oh. writing it. Um, and Mark, I baby. sympathize with that. And I want to give Mark a hug. But I also think you it showed. Have given I Mark also a hug. I have given Mark a hug. I want to give Mark another hug. But I also think it showed a little bit. Like yeah. I think that could have been. It could have been cleaned up a little bit. I mean, it had the effect of like really surprising me. Like I read past it, and I was like, "Oh, what's he saying?" And then I went backwards. Yeah. And I was like, "You're not going to do that right here at this point in the book." And. We both had that reaction, I think, because that's exactly yeah. what mine was. And, and I'm fine with the second half of the reaction of the, oh, shit, is he really doing this? Yeah. But the fact that I was kind of like, wait, did that actually happen? I think I missed it. Yeah. Like, I think that actual thing could have been written a little better. So, yeah, things continue to escalate as the book goes along. Moss is still trying to figure out his place in it. His mom becomes a leader of kind of the community. And I think one of my favorite things about the book was the relationship between Moss and his mom. Yeah. Like the conversations that they had and their relationship was like really well done and really one of the more like heartwarming parts of the book because like yeah. I said, some of it can get a little bit difficult to read about. Yeah. Um, but those were the parts that kind of like kept me going was especially through, like you said, some of the parts in the middle that were just a lot of planning mm -hmm. or some of the just really heart-wrenching parts. Um, I really liked the relationship with him and his mom and the family stuff. I really like how the white people fucked it up and they got called out for it. <laughs> you liked that part? Like, I kept waiting for, like, the white people. Like, I didn't expect him to do, like, a white savior type of thing. But I thought they would come to kind of, like, a mutual understanding and, like, them as allies would be appreciated and stuff. But it's like, nope, they fucked up and, like, people go at them. And... That is such a typical thing to do of like them thinking they're helping, but they're yeah. not understanding the whole situation. No. And I think that's what probably happens with a lot of white people is that they're very well-meaning. It was mm. not cruel intentioned at any, at any point, yeah. but they just had no idea what they were doing and stuck their, their nose into a business that wasn't, their pro wasn't Hers, theirs to stick their heads into. Yeah. And they actually made it worse, not so, better. Yeah, the you know, their daughter, the And that part still hurts, like thinking of what they unintentionally did, like Yeah. Thinking that they oh were God, doing something. It takes my something. breath away, really. And like the fact that Moss didn't forgive them either. Right. So that's getting to my feelings about the end of the book overall. I kept waiting for, you know, this to the turn concession. into a uh, a uh, love Simon type of situation where it's like Everyone's oh he's forgiven. angry at all these people you know given the title and you know but he's gonna come to peace and come to terms with some of these things spoiler he does not 
and good. Like he does not, he's not like, okay, you're sorry. Okay, everyone's happy now. He's like, fuck it. Like, to, like how many people in his life are dead yeah. because of it? And like, he doesn't have to forgive them. Yeah. And like, the whole point is that like, channel that anger into organizing and um, doing something about it. I don't know. So yeah, I don't, I feel like a lot of the, the big boring books I read, like, last pages like are not a thing like there's never anything really thrilling in the last page most books like come to a close at a whimper kind of yeah yeah. this is like one of the best last pages i've ever read because there was still a chance within the last few paragraphs that it was going to be like a shake hands you know happy ending resolved you know we're going to try to work together in the future there's hope and mark just he's brutal yeah brutally honest and Yeah. yeah I think, like, my favorite part started when Moss chained himself to the flagpole. Yeah. I really Outside liked the that. the police. Yeah, I really liked that station. sequence. And, like, there was just such a really nice um, flow to the writing of that section. Mm-hmm. Like, I, as, like, someone who writes myself, I can tell that, like, he sat down and wrote, like, those three there. chapters in a row. Like, he was in a really good groove. It flowed really nicely. It felt really natural. And just, like, the emotions were there. The writing was there. The characterization was there. Like... That was one of the best sections of the novel for me. Any other thoughts you want to share? I was just going to say that we should have prefaced this section like I've done with previous um, books and things that we've talked about is that we are two of the whitest white people if you hadn't noticed that. So I don't want this to come across as like white people critiquing books that aren't for them. Mm. Uh, But I also think that everyone needs to read these books because it shouldn't just be a black issue or a Latino issue or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it should be a civil rights issue. It should be a moral issue that everyone cares about. I hear you sister. So I still like the hate you give a little bit more. Um, I'm not going to play that game. I'm not going to say, which oh, one I, I almost had, I'm you. not going to say which one I liked better because I don't think, I think that's something that happens a lot with, authors of color is that it's like there can only be one like oh there can only be one wow, you've turned book. this on me quickly yeah did you see how i did that it was nice <laughs> but i think there's a lot of that it's like you know there's already one book about if, police brutality so, so we don't need another putting one. words in my mouth so i basically said if you're gonna have to read one book about police brutality from the point of view of a person of color make it the hate you give yeah and i'm saying don't do that i'm thinking read like, them both they Felt very different to me, even mm. though, like, summary-wise, like, on face value, they seem a little bit similar. They felt very different, and they approached it from different angles, True. I thought. And they still had a little bit of the same quandary of, like, is it worth it for me to speak out, and, and can I handle it? But I thought the rest of the story was very different in tone and content. Let me rephrase my question. And I'll, I'll tie in a little book digits metrics okay. for you. Which one would you be more inclined to reread in the near future? Um, God, I got another mosquito. Which one would I be? I don't know. I'm going to say The Hate You Give because the death in that one didn't affect me quite as much because it happened so early Mm -hmm. that I felt like, not that I didn't care about it, but I had less time to commit to that character. Right. The character who dies is a background character, really. Yes. And he 
almost ends up being more important later on because you learn more about their relationship and stuff. But mm. like, it happens really early, and I was expecting it because sure. I like I knew something like there was no impetus or there was no conflict at the very beginning. Yeah. So I was kind of waiting for something bad to happen mm-hmm. because it was just like she's happy, she's at a party, she has friends, and I was like. This cannot be the whole book. I know something terrible happens. Yeah. So I was prepared for it with anger is a gift. I. You didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what was going to happen at all. It was Part less of that is because we just have to mention this sort of briefly, but you mentioned this a while ago, maybe on the podcast too, but Mark had a very different first approach to this book. Yes. He was going to try to do a gay romance, police brutality, sci-fi Apocalyptic, dystopian. Yeah, it was a lot going on. Yeah. And... So I think the editor or editors helped him make the right choice. But clearly there was a lot of thinking that went into this whole whole plot. Yeah, so for me, I would be more likely to read The Hate You Give, at least reread The Hate You Give, at least right now, because I felt less blindsided and less like emotionally devastated by the events of that book, um, just on like a personal connection level to the characters. And in Mark's book, I it really blindsided me. I kind of thought maybe the bad thing had happened already off page. Like it had happened at the beginning. Like his right. dad had been dead and him... Dealing with that, I kind of thought that that was enough tragedy for him. Like, yeah. I don't want to use the word luck because that's not right because these things aren't bad luck. It's a a systemic issue. But it's like he's had enough tragedy in his life, so Mark will let him. Right. Like, from a fictional choice, from a fictional standpoint, I kind of thought, well, maybe that's enough push for him to deal with this. Because one friend had the pill issue, one friend had the injury issue, and he had this terrible history with his dad. So I was kind of thinking, well, maybe that's enough, and it will just see mm-hmm. escalate from there. And then I was thinking, well, maybe it'll just be one of these friends that's been like kind of developed, and it was, yeah. So it really blindsided me. I was not expecting it, and it was my very favorite character. Oof. So, and it was, <laughs> I can't. So I really like Anger as a Gift, and my wonderful friend Elizabeth has a signed copy coming mm-hmm. for me when she visits, so I'm sure I'll reread it at some point. But Friend of the show. Friend of the show. But it is um, still a little bit too fresh for me right now. It really got me. So I guess this would be the one book that Mark will never read, though. For Mark Reed? Mm, that would be a little too meta. Well, he kind of talked about how it's Mark it's writes. really fun that it's backwards for now because usually the whole point of the Mark Reed's thing is that like everybody else knows what's going to happen and he doesn't. Mm-hmm. So in this case, it was backwards and he knew it was going to happen and none of the people reading it did. So for him, like it was a fun... Um... Flip the script? Yeah. Roll yep. reversal, flip the script. We saw the book right next to John Green at some local bookstores today. We did. I was very excited and I really love the cover. Mm-hmm. I have an ARC with kind of a, the original little bit boring Sketch, cover. Yeah. So I'm excited to get a copy that has the pretty purple cover. We didn't even tell the folks about our book our book pilgrimage today. Oh my today. gosh. Oh, we spent way too much money on books today. We went to one bookstore yeah. which then let us know that there was a book festival happening in our backyard. Yes. Literally. Pretty much literally. 
Um, so then we proceeded to spend two and a half hours there and went to like 16 different book stalls of like rare and unique books. Yeah. And got spent some like ill-advised pur purchases probably. Yeah. I got a really nice compendium Lord of, of Lord of the Rings um, illustrated by Alan some Lee. Some artwork, yeah. Which you hate comp compendiums apparently, but I just think huge. they look so nice in the bookshelf. Just show. huge. Like they might not be as practical, practical for rereading, but I have paperbacks for that. Um, and it's pretty with the illustrations. Agree. And you got some F. Scott Fitzgerald. Um, yep. Some second printings, which is going to become my thing. I collect second editions <laughs> and second printings. Smart price range. Yeah. It's very appropriate though because he like lived here. Or whatever. He's a local legend for sure. Um, we saw a lot of really expensive copies of Infinite Jest, mm -hmm. thousands of dollars worth. Yep. Um, I got an Ursula Le Guin, who I'm ashamed to say I've never read. I've never read anything of hers before, but I fell mm. in love with um, a first edition. You were guilted by her edition? passing away. I hope it was a first edition. Sure we first wrote edition. out a goddamn check for we it. We did. Um, hope it doesn't bounce. I fell in love with a first edition of one of her um, Earthsea trilogies, and I just needed to have it. So, And then I got a bargain, a $4 graphic novel about Jane Goodall and Diane Fossey yep. and another... Um, primatologist that I just read just now to boost my June numbers on book digits. So, <laughs> are you going to also count the New Hampshire pamphlet that you bought as a book on book digits? Um, no, those were a collection of postcards. That's not a book. Oh, okay. You had a graphic novel this month as well. Mm -hmm. May I remind you? Because we read The Prince and the Dressmaker. Okay, what do we have for upcoming stuff? <gasps> it's very humid in this porch. We I know need to we be need a fan into the AC. Um. There, this is relevant to what we talked about today. There is going to be a TV show written by Kumal Nanjiani and uh -huh. his wife, Kat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel bad calling her his wife because she's like famous in her own right as a yeah. comedian, but I don't know her name off the top of my head. You keep going. Um, they are writing a TV show about together. immigrants. Yeah. I knew this But one, it's yeah. going to be on Apple. Yeah, I was going to say... Um, I'm, not, I'm not getting too excited about it because I ain't ever going to watch that. It, it doesn't exist yet. Like, there's no... Infrastructure or anything? Like, no, there's no way to access it. Like, there's all these shows, uh, Emily P. Gordon. Thank you. Um, and yeah, they don't, they don't exist. There's no subscription. There's nothing. Like, Oprah has shows and stuff, and none of it exists yet. It's very odd. Um, also relevant to what we talked about today, The Hate You Give, the trailer. Did you watch it? No. The trailer just came out for it. Okay. And it looks really, really intense. Okay. In a good way. Whew. But super intense. So we'll make sure to share that on our Twitter. Okay. Um, Spider-Man? Far From Home? Yeah. What's the title, I guess? Which one is this? The next Spider-Man Homecoming the with Tom Holland. Not the animated one that we always see the previews for? No, no, no. For. Like the next proper Tom Holland yeah. one. Have they admitted that he's alive? Well, he kind of, Tom Holland kind of like accidentally gave away the title, but oh, people are saying it's that. like a, actually a publicity stunt making fun of the fact that he can't keep a secret. Gotcha. But um, I still don't really understand when it's coming out in relation. Is it after the next Infinity War? <sighs> I don't know. I kind of want to see it because I liked Spider-Man Homecoming. But I'm so just skeptical of anything after Infinity War because it just, I'm going to have trust issues with movies for the rest of my life because of that movie. <laughs> um, and one more upcoming thing. It's not really upcoming anymore. It's like past upcoming. Mm -hmm. um, 
someone at work was trying to get me to see Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, oh, um, which I have not succumbed to yet. And no. she's about the only one who has told me in positive terms that I should see it. <laughs> so we'll see. If there's much longer of this heat wave, maybe we'll need an indoor oh, air conditioned activity. But um, I just would like to do a dramatic reading of um, a review from Entertainment Weekly of Jurassic of World. Jurassic World. Okay. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom roars into theaters this weekend. It's an agreeably daft popcorn blockbuster that jettisons the faux Spielberg wonder the past film attempted to capture. In its place, a gothic haunted house, rampaging dinosaurs, vaguely villainous scientists, and, of course, endless sequences of Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard running for their lives. No matter how dire the stakes, of course, life finds a way, in large part thanks to a magnificent overlord overload of B-movie logic that throws common sense, physics, and on two occasions a velociraptor out the window. <laughs> That's pretty clever. So, <sighs> I used to really, writing. really like Chris Pratt. Me too. I used to love him. He was fat and better. Oh, and funnier. God. And married. Fat. And married. And loyal to his wife. Yeah. Um, I only have one upcoming one. Tell me, like, if you can get more Nickelodeon than this. Okay. Keenan and Kel mm -hmm. reuniting to go on Double Dare together. I do, I do, I do. Um, Are we going to watch that? Why haven't we, we, we even... I don't know. Revivals of, like, really old game shows? That one doesn't really tickle my fancy too much. Okay. Not even if they did Legends of the Hidden Temple? Okay, maybe that one. <laughs> but this is Kel on Instagram on Double Bear. Uh -oh. He looks exactly the same. Oh, they're on opposite teams, though? <laughs> um, also, Figure well, It Out was my favorite one, though. With Summer Sanders? Oh, yeah. Of course I remember. Do I remember Figure It Out? Come I would on. do a revival of Figure It Out. It was slimed. always something really weird. My, my sister used to think I could go on because I could bend my finger back. Could bend finger back to wrist. Yes. Yeah, that would have been your thing. No one would have ever guessed. Nope. I met a girl at camp that could do that, but the opposite. She could, like, touch. It. Yeah, people. Yeah. Ow, fuck, I just <laughs> pulled a muscle. You just break your wrist. Taking off my pants. Oh, my gosh. This episode's come full circle. Full circle. Um, I don't have anything else, I don't think. That's a wrap. On episode 40-something. 40 48. Sounds right. Is that 48? What are we going to do to celebrate 50? Um, pop some bubbly. We're going to have to invest podcast. In a, invest in a fan? Oh, I was going to say podcast in the nude if it stays this way. Oh, I was going to say invest in a fan, but I guess okay. either of those are That's options. It. I couldn't be wearing much less clothes than what I'm wearing right now. Gosh, so. give the people something to get excited about. Started the show with that. Titillated. Okay. Um, Control yourselves. If you would like to look at any of the links that we talked about, mm. um, you can follow us on Twitter at DDGetDown. If you want to support our new, possibly ill-advised Book Digits Instagram venture, you can follow us at Book Digits on Instagram. You can see pictures of all the books we bought today. You can see pictures of all the books that we bought today, the beautiful first and second editions <laughs> of things. <laughs> And otherwise, we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Peace out. Middle finger. <laughs> you gotta get down with the get down.
Well now, get down, get down, earth, get down, whoa, whoa, get down, earth, get down, whoa, whoa. Maybe we can talk our neighbors into doing the same thing. Get down, get down, get down, get down. Get down.